0: So today's scripture reading is John 14, starting at verse 15. Jesus is speaking. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I, too, will love them and show myself to them. The word of God for the people of God thanks be to God. So today I want to brief, uh, begin a brief series of messages that will end in a couple of weeks on Pentecost Sunday uh, about the Holy Spirit. And I like to do this frequently because I find that a lot of regular church attenders have uh, certain ignorance about the Holy Spirit, that Uh, In in my last church, believe it or not, the first time I preached on the Holy Spirit, I had people come up to me and say, I've been going to this church 50 years. I've never heard a sermon about the Holy Spirit, which I find interesting. And uh, all I can say is, is that if you don't embrace the Holy Spirit, then you're missing out on the fundamental element the fundamental person of the Trinity for the church age, which you heard about last week. This is this church age that I've talked about. We're living in it. We are the church, the body of Christ. We're very literally the presence of Christ in ourselves and as one body. And so we are nothing if not animated by and enlivened by the Holy Spirit that's that's why it's so important for us to know who the Holy Spirit is and this is why I feel compelled to preach on the Holy Spirit regularly Um, I've mentioned to the staff that that my worship planning has been very deliberate since I got here I've been on a mission to communicate certain things and we're coming to the end of my first year as your pastor and to the end of my first year agenda. And so in a very real sense, we'll work together over the next uh, month or two to prepare the next year's worth of things. And they'll be much more aligned around a common experience of the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit. First of all, the most important thing you gotta know about the Holy Spirit is is the Holy Spirit is a who, not a what. The Holy Spirit is a who, not a what. People will talk about the Spirit using terms like it. Well, how do you like being called it? Well, the Holy Spirit told me just the other day, he, she, there's no gender there, doesn't like being called it. Okay, I'm joking, but, you know, you get the point. That is to say, the Holy Spirit is not some sort of invisible, mystical spirit that sort of unites all living things, like in that movie Avatar, right? Or the Force, like in Star Wars. I'm sorry, John Gallagher. The Holy Spirit is not the Force from Star Wars. I'm kidding, because he's one of the most solid Christian people I know, and he knows who the Holy Spirit is. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. But you know, it's easier for us, isn't it, mentally, to wrap our minds around this invisible force of Star Wars than to realize that what we're talking about is the person of the Trinity that Jesus refers to as the Holy Spirit. And so first and foremost, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we should think about the Spirit in terms of a person, a being, and for the record, If I should happen to refer to the Spirit as he, it doesn't mean that I literally assume that the persons of the Godhead are male. It's simply a speech device to communicate the idea. It's important that we don't assume that there is a particular gender associated with the Holy Spirit. But, nevertheless, We understand that the Holy Spirit is a person and that the Holy Spirit has the same emotional and uh, 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 sort of intellectual properties as the other two persons of the Godhead or the Trinity. In Acts 15, 28, we hear that the Holy Spirit uh, makes decisions. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. We see that the Holy Spirit can be grieved We talked about that a second ago during prayer time. In Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In Hebrews, we see that uh, the Holy Spirit can even be outraged. In Hebrews 10.29, it says, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has outraged the Spirit? And so, in a real sense, The Bible is telling us that the Holy Spirit is a person of the Godhead, one of the three persons that is God, and is capable of the same emotional and intellectual response to the creation that Jesus and the Father have. I think it's important for us to realize that the Old Testament is Christ concealed while the New Testament is Christ revealed. Now, I didn't make up that phrase, but let me say it again so you hear it clearly. The Old Testament is Christ concealed. He's there, but it's hard to recognize him. And the New Testament is Christ revealed. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit is somewhat subject to mystery in the Old Testament, but becomes clearer to understand in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, for example, Joshua encounters the captain of the hosts of heaven. And we understand as New Testament believers that he encountered Jesus. And there are indications in that passage that this was not an angel, but in fact, Jesus. And there are reasons that we can trust this to be true. In the same way, the Holy Spirit that we now have in us and is the life's blood of the church or the body of Christ was present in the Old Testament. In Genesis, for example, in chapter 1, it says the Spirit hovered over the chaos and brought order into the creation and brought order to the chaos. In the same way, the Spirit was the infuseo or the air that was breathed into the body of Adam who was made from the dust. And in the very real sense, humanity started out filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And so the Holy Spirit is present all over the Old Testament, but only present to people in a very specific way. For example, in the book of Exodus, we read that the Spirit of God came upon Bezalel so that he could craft the implements And the garments and things that were going to be necessary for the tabernacle where they would meet with God. And so for a time in a particular place upon a particular person, the spirit came for a particular purpose we'll find throughout the Old Testament that this is the pattern. It repeats even into the New Testament where we see that John the Baptist has the Spirit of God on him. The Spirit of God uh, causes uh, Elizabeth's womb to shudder and shake when she encounters the mother of Jesus in the story of Mary going to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And so the Holy Spirit is highly visible in the Old Testament, but At particular times and particular places on particular people for particular purpose and then Pentecost comes and it's like the dam burst or the champagne bottle pops and overflows and there's a real honest expression of the whole spirit being made available to the whole world That will accept it and this is why Jesus tells them on the occasion of his departure he's getting ready to leave the guys are figuring this out the disciples are understanding that their master has risen from the dead he's truly with them but they kind of think it's going to be that way forever and always and then he starts making it clear that he's leaving again and they're anxious and for this reason, Jesus says, as he did today in this passage, I need for you to obey me. Now, obedience is a real act of love and trust. You know, you obey people that you think are acting in your best interest and you trust that and you trust them. And obedience is one of the most generous acts of love that you can give to another person and in this case Jesus says I need for you to trust me it's gonna be okay I'm gonna leave and then you're gonna feel alone for a while but the Holy Spirit the advocate will come and then I'll be with you always to the end of the age the church age so what does he mean by that well he means a word that is used in his own speech—that is the word "paraclete," and uh, "paraclete" is is not, uh, uh, you know, track shoes. Okay, sorry, I couldn't help it. That's why I looked at you because I knew if nobody else laughed, you'd get it. "Paraclete," not track shoes. It is actually a word that means the advocate, the one who comes alongside it is the word that has a legal connotation, meaning that it could be your representative in court, that it could be your barrister, your lawyer, your attorney, but also really in Jesus' meaning has a different uh, connotation because it also suggests that it's the one who comes alongside you in your time of need, the one who comes to walk with you through your difficulty. And this is what Jesus is saying in particular to people who are about to be grieved at yet another loss of Jesus. They've had their hopes that were colored by their own interpretation, dashed when Jesus was executed on the cross. Then they came to meet the resurrected Jesus and have a whole new set of expectations. And those were more wonderful than they could have ever imagined. And then he leaves again. And so their hope in the new understanding is dashed. And Jesus says, trust me, it's going to be okay. I will be with you always because in the Spirit, I come alongside you as I sit on the throne of God, a human being on the throne of God in the place outside of time and space where God dwells, we call heaven. Jesus, a human sits in authority over all creation and all that God commands. And his spirit, the spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one person of the Trinity who is with us always and everywhere at all times. Not limited to a few people at a few specific times for a particular purpose. And then it's gone. This is forever and always and anywhere. And so it literally means that you can experience God because of the Holy Spirit. You can experience the same relationship with God that Adam and Eve had with God, apart from the physical interaction. You can experience the presence of God, whether you're here in Jasper, whether you're on the other side of the world, or even on the International Space Station somewhere out there above the earth. In the uh, real sense, the Holy Spirit gives us a way to be with Jesus, to be with our Lord, All at the same time wherever we are. Think of it this way, if Jesus remained on earth and lived throughout the ages, which Jesus has done but in heaven, then the only way we might be able to experience the presence of Jesus is to arrange to go where he is and join, I'm sure, the masses of people by the millions and maybe just getting a little glimpse of him. Does it sound like say St. Peter's Square where you are in the midst of all those people and and you look up and there's this little tiny white thing up there in a window and it's the Pope and you go, I've seen the Pope, right? This is what would happen if Jesus hadn't left and sent the Holy Spirit. I know it's a little lame, but he did a wonderful thing for us by ascending to heaven and sending the Holy Spirit. Because now. We are one with our Lord wherever we are, whether together in this gathering or alone in our own bedroom or whatever. And so God has given us a great gift because we are truly the body of Christ, universal in all things. But there's more than that. This paraclete, this advocate that has come alongside us has given us a supernatural kind of help to interpret scripture to interpret our lives and to make difficult decisions this same spirit or paraclete and advocate comes alongside to give us new life we were once purely people of the flesh and then we were born again as jesus described to nicodemus and now we have new life The Holy Spirit has replaced our dead and dull human nature, our human spirit, and replaced it with the Spirit of Christ so that we are, in effect, co heirs with Jesus, the Apostle Paul says. There is in that suggested that we would be brothers and sisters of Jesus and therefore children of God, welcome in God's household in the same way Jesus is. That's good news. We have a supernatural union then with God that transcends this life even as we celebrate the Holy Communion in a moment with those who are with us in this room and those who have died and are at the table of the Lord now outside of our comprehension. We have a supernatural teacher That gives us the ability. I'd love it when people compliment me and commend the messages that I preach or any other way that I communicate the gospel and the Bible. And I'm very grateful that people acknowledge my hard work and study. But let me say absolutely, without hesitation, I'm only so good. The Holy Spirit makes whatever takes it to the next level happen. For example, if you come to me after the service and you say, Pastor, it just felt like you were talking to me. I didn't think anybody else was in the room. Great. Holy Spirit showed up. I'm not that good. You know, there was a time years ago when there was a certain fellow that really just, I don't know if he was narcoleptic or what, but he couldn't keep his head up for nothing during the worship service. He'd be asleep in the first five minutes of sitting down. And every week he'd apologize to me and I'd just look at him and say, I didn't notice. It's true. I just look at the people who are looking back at me, to be quite honest with you. It's what conversation is like, you know, we we're talking here. I mean, I'm doing all the talking, but, you know, we're we're in a conversation together. And the neat thing is, is even as I feel that intimacy with you, I know that for some people here the message will not be clear and for others it'll feel as though the lord himself is speaking to them and all i can say is is this is the holy spirit at work i'm convinced that the holy spirit is so present and so pervasive in our lives as believers that we take most of it for granted that there are so many ways in which the holy spirit is present to us that we can't track all of them. We can't identify all of them. In some traditions, you know, they look for signs of the Holy Spirit in a person. So they want you to speak in tongues or they want you to do some sort of behavioral thing that will indicate that the Holy Spirit is with you. I'm convinced that while that may be true, there are also plenty of unseen and unknown things that indicate the presence of the Holy Spirit too. Probably far more than we're aware of. And so in a very real sense, I imagine that day that is imagined by those who anticipate a rapture of the church and all this. And and I will be glad to teach on that someday. But the point that I'd like to make is, is if the church were removed from the earth and the Holy Spirit was no longer present, I wonder why it's so hard to imagine the world turning sour overnight. Without the presence of the Holy Spirit, this world... I believe would turn to chaos in ours because there's so many ways the Holy Spirit is at work in the world and through even those who are more marginal than we would care to admit if we welcome the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God works in us. Jesus said wherever two or more are gathered in my name I'm there. So Jesus is a good shepherd who loves And cares for his flock and this is why he hasn't left us orphaned this is why we have the spirit with us and this is why while he is preparing a place for us in heaven and a place for us to go to on the day of resurrection the spirit is with us our good shepherd has left an advocate to care for us in every moment of our lives and even in those darkest moments when we're the most alone we're not alone The Spirit of God is with us. And for all we know, everything that we think is bad would be a thousand times worse if not for the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit. So as we begin this series of short messages over the next few weeks, uh, next couple of weeks on the Holy Spirit, my hope for you is that you would begin to uh, recognize and look for signs of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. This is your homework for next week. Spend the rest of this week looking for ways in which you see the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And around your life. And don't rule anything out. Don't look for anything really miraculous and big and and remarkable. Look for the Holy Spirit in the little things. Look for the ways in which the Holy Spirit guides your steps. Guards you against a fall advises you and encourages you in times of difficulty. Keep those in mind as we come next week then to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit in the body, the church, and we move forward into Pentecost and receiving that Holy Spirit to the fullest extent. Let me pray before we leave uh, this topic and go to our Holy Communion. Almighty God, I thank you and praise you this morning for your work, your word, and most of all for your presence in the Holy Spirit. Let that same Holy Spirit witness to our hearts, erasing those things that came from my human depravity and leaving only that which was from you as a life-changing message from you to your people so that they might walk with you as confidently as you have walked with them throughout their lives. Amen.